0: This is Consumed, the podcast that sparks conversations with eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers across California, and especially at its heart, the Central Coast. I'm your host, Jamie Lewis, a freelance food and drink writer based in San Luis Obispo. is the winemaker for three Santa Barbara County wine labels, the luxury brand Honada, based in Ballard Canyon, the Hilt, based in the Santa Rita Hills, and the pairing, which comes all from Santa Barbara County. Matt is also a self-professed plant person, and he has the resume to prove it. Born in Kansas City, Matt attended the University of Vermont to study soil science and has worked harvests in New Zealand's Hawks Bay and Staglin in Napa. But despite having spent nearly two decades in the Santa Barbara County wine industry and having devoted his career to winemaking, Matt Dees is no one-trick pony. He can talk about Bach, Grace Slick, and Kansas City barbecue in the same breath, and he seems like he might be happy to do so anytime. We talked about his life and career while sharing a table at the new restaurant Highwater in San Luis Obispo, where there was, at times, a bit of jackhammering going on outside. Don't let that distract you from this fascinating guest. Here's Matt Dees. Matt Dees drove all the way up to San Luis Obispo from Santa Barbara, and I'm so glad you're here.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. It's an honor.
0: You're welcome. So before we started rolling, we were talking about the cello, and sometimes I like throw that out there a little bit and see if anybody understands because that's part of our lives in our at our home and you told me that your daughter plays
1: she does yeah she just took it up
0: so and is that her first instrument like first time ever playing an instrument? yeah I
1: think they give all the kids like a recorder which is always like a very funny painful, painful experience yeah and then she they give all the fifth graders instruments and she picked the biggest one <laughs> it's <just about> cello. <laughs> I guess they don't have the double bass for the fifth graders, no, but um,
0: they're not tall enough no, to but play I it. Think
1: there are cello people and non cello people. I'm, I'm a cello
0: person. Same, same. Did yeah. you ever see um, Hillary and Jackie, that movie about, oh, Daniel Berenboim's oh, wife, Dupre. did you see that?
1: I didn't, but I love, I love it's listening good. to her music. Yeah, that's
0: good. Um, so, I mean, I, I always want to chase whatever's in front of us. So how did you get into classical music?
1: You know it's funny. My dad. I grew up in Kansas City, and my father basically dragged me, kicking and screaming, to the to the Kansas City Philharmonic or the Kansas City Symphony every other Friday night. Wow! And as a kid, it was a great place to sleep, right, with a bunch of old people. <laughs> and basically, it's warm. it was this weird thing. I was like, I was the youngest kid there by like you know 40 years. Yeah. And it was an amazing symphony. It still is. But I used to rail i used to be so angry that i got dragged to this thing yeah and about the time i was in college i was like oh you know what i understand this music mm-hmm. and it's wonderful and i'm glad i got to see it mm-hmm. i owe my dad another apology sorry dad yeah. thanks for bringing me
0: but isn't that funny that that seed can germinate for a really long time <laughs> and <laughs> totally. not you know nothing yeah, come
1: just sit in the soil without moving from, without germinating for decades yeah, yeah. and now finally it's Half of what I listen to is probably classical music.
0: Oh, gosh. Kindred spirit. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. Did you play anything growing up?
1: I play a pretty poor guitar mm-hmm. and a less talented mandolin as well. Good but you. I love it. Yeah, it's great. And my, my son picked up the guitar. We, we strum and sang poorly on a nightly basis.
0: On a nightly basis? Yeah. Yeah. I bet COVID you were like all over it all the
1: time, <laughs> huh? Yeah, yeah. In the search for hobbies, we were rocking and rolling. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a, a good connection point.
0: That's awesome. Tell me a little bit about your dad. Where did he grow that love for? And was he a polymath or?
1: Lord knows. Where he, he grew up in uh, Weir, Kansas. If anybody listening has ever heard of that, Mm -hmm. congratulations. (laughs) Sweepstakes winner. Uh, Yeah, he grew up in a tiny town, and I don't know how he got it, but he did. He always loved classical music, and he always loved—he actually, he was a jazz guy, too, and I remember I saw Ahmad Jamal 50 years after he had seen him in Pittsburgh, Kansas. I Mm -hmm. saw Ahmad Jamal play Santa Barbara. Anyways, side story, but—
0: Yeah, no, the side stories are where it's at. Um, So you grew up in Kansas City. How long were you there?
1: I left Kansas City when I was 18. I left the, the first day I...
0: Oh, so you spent the full... For some reason, I thought Vermont came sooner.
1: No, no, no. I was, I was a Midwest kid through and through. I grew up... It's a beautiful place to grow up. It's the best, mm-hmm. um, I think. And I, I grew up there until I was 18. And the door opened to go to college, and I went pretty far away. Went to Vermont. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had this really weird desire as a kid. I wanted to understand people from all the coasts. I wanted to under, understand America, the United States of America, from... Our, our fellow citizens in a weird way. Like I, I understand Midwesterners very hmm. clearly because it's, it's, we're wonderfully open. We're wonderfully yeah. approachable. We're wonderfully, um, um, I don't know. just Optimistic. Just, just uh, yes yeah, sure. I mean, am
0: I wrong about that? I think it's depends on
1: where you are. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sure. Yep. <laughs> but yes. Yep. I'll give you that. But then I wanted to understand the East coast and then I, I certainly wanted to understand the West. Hmm. Um, it's funny. I think the West coast is the most difficult to understand but it's where I want to stay.
0: It's one of my most favorite things to talk about actually
1: is why, why do you think that? Oh, I don't think there's enough time to even go. <laughs> I know. Well, give me a nutshell version. Well, A, because it's the last place I got to. Oh, okay. I think, I think there's part of that that's, that's, you know, it's, it's, I've only spent 19 years here, which I mean, it's a long time, 20 years. Longer than or, Kansas city. Yeah. Yeah. Actually more than half of my life. The more I think about it. Cause I got to Napa in 2001.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, but, uh, And I think between Northern and Southern California and between Santa Barbara and San Luis, and Santa Barbara and Los Angeles and Los Angeles and the rest of the world. I think there's, uh, it's, it's a fun study. I look forward to continuing my, my, my research. Yeah. We were talking,
0: (laughs) um, I was just camping over the weekend in Santa Cruz with a bunch of my girlfriends and we were talking about how um, one of them, was saying you know we need to slow down in our lives we need to figure out how to be and not do and I said you know I love that idea I really do I spent a good amount of time in Europe love it wonderful however American people our stock is as frontiers people Mm -hmm. and we uh, we will push the limits out as far as we can in terms of productivity and and you know I think it's a very cool thing to say we need to slow down and I totally agree with that and yet I also kind of embrace the fact that we're on the edge all the time and we also value our economy way too much to slow down Mm -hmm. Spain Italy I don't want to speak for all of them this is a very broad brush but they don't the, the economy is not of the it's not always the priority and um I don't know how I'm getting into this with you, but... Uh, <laughs> Cello. But also, I know, but also as Californians and as Westerners, yeah, work, yeah. push, push, push. We were the ones who pushed out the furthest, you yeah, know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Rare, okay. rare breed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, tell me about what happened in Vermont and why did you pick that?
1: I picked it, uh, it... It's funny going back. I picked it because, uh, again, I wanted to go to the East Coast. Yeah. I was a plant person. I've always been a plant person. Plants make sense to me. I love them. I... I... I, I just understand them mm-hmm. in a way. Um, and I wanted to get into trees. I wanted to understand forestry. Hmm. And I was fairly naive, not realizing that when you get into trees, the more you love them, the more you deal with the management of their cutting.
0: Of their cutting. Oh, <laughs> yes, you know, right, that's, yeah. That's
1: how you make a living as, as, a, as a tree specialist. Most often, in one way or another, you end up cutting down that which you love. Hmm. Um, which is, you know, it's the world. Yes, and, yes. And, and, you know, that's the way it works. Um, and so I... I did love that. I worked on it for a little while, then I switched to plant and soil science. I fell in love with plant physiology, which is what I love the most. Um, soil chemistry, plant pathology, entomology, all the things that I really dork out on and things that that excite me on a daily basis. And UVM was like this really wonderful, radical, you know, like John Todd had made the living machine in that pro, you know, there, there was mm-hmm. all this amazing work going on in this tiny little department. And it really pushed me on this, this route. You know, I, I had an amazing professor, an amazing um, advisor, all these, these mentors. And yeah. yeah, sometimes it's, it's really great to learn your passion for a job in an area where you really have to be patient and love what you do to make it work. Yes. Yeah. It's not easy to make wine in Vermont. It's a royal pain in the ass. And you did that. Yeah. I made wine there for a number of years and We made some killer wines. I mean, I talk about it all the time. They're great wines and people are still crushing it up there. I'm actually going this summer Mm. to tour the wine regions because I really want to understand where they've got to now and in a world that's warming up and warming up and warming up and regions Mm -hmm. are losing acid in our wines left and right. It's kind of fun to go to a place where Acid's not a problem. You're going to have acid all the time in your wines. Because wines of are, chilliness. Yeah, because the season, the, way, the grapes, they have to grow, and yeah. you, know, you end up with like... Short pH. season. Yes, short, and you just, they're really odd. They're like Minnesota grapes, or they're, you know, or they're really trying to push vinifera. Um, so I find it really exciting. And I'm so blessed, and this sounds super crazy, but I'm so blessed in my life and my career to have started making wine in Vermont. You don't hear that
0: no. every day. No, and I'm imagining why, but tell me why. uh,
1: Well, (laughs) you have to, I mean, it's one of those places where winter dieback is commonplace. So you have to bury the vines by hand. Mm. You have to dig them up by hand. You have to deal with things like permafrost soils. You have to deal with things like um, frost in September. (laughs) You have Mm. to deal with things Mm. like, you know, uh, mildew pressure, like the likes of which the world has never seen. Mm -hmm. You have to deal with, you know, you name it. We had it. And the wines were still exceptional because people were so passionate.
0: Yeah. So what was it like to come out to California after those kinds of conditions trying to grow (laughs) something that people can drink? It was the land of plenty.
1: It was awesome. I mean, it's cool to see that because then mildew pressure and things like that, you're like, oh, it's not that bad. It's kind of like when Mm -hmm. I made one in New Zealand. You know, you come back and it it rains a little bit during harvest. It's not that bad. We're so spoiled out here. I
0: forgot you were in New Zealand. and You were at Um, you were in Hawke's Bay.
1: I was with Craigie. Yeah, I was with Doug and A.B. at Craigie Range. Yeah. Right. And if
0: I remember correctly, that's a Syrah focus, am I right? Or is it Rhone focus? Uh, We did everything. I mean,
1: it's this wonderful exploration of the North and South Island at Craigie Range, right? They do all the Hawke's Bay Reds, um, Syrah, Cab Sav, they do a great Merlot-based wine. Mm -hmm. They do um, Chardonnays up there, and then they'd get into the South Island with Rieslings, Sauvignon Blancs, Pinots, Chardonnays.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We spent some time there, and um, Craggy Range, if I remember right, was uh, my husband and I were sleeping in our car. <laughs> and driving, as you do which, in New Zealand. As you do. Yeah. When I tell people that sometimes, uh-huh. they get worried, and Welcome it's like, no, that yep. is how it's done. <laughs> um, and gosh, we pulled into Hawke's Bay, and man, the wines there. Especially after having lived, we were living in Blenheim on the south Island and just, you know, Rieslings and Sauvignon Blanc and just so many crisp and kind of lacy whites. And then to go up there and taste the reds up there Ooh. was pretty special. Oh, it's
1: amazing. The, O2, the O2-less soul is one of the greatest red wines I've ever had in my life. It is. It's incredible. If you can find it, buy it, drink it. Yeah. It's remarkable. And
0: so where does that line up? Your time in New Zealand, where does that fall with your trajectory from, from college?
1: Uh, I kind of bounced around a lot. I studied winemaking in Australia for a bit. I studied, uh, um, you know, all over the place. Uh, ended up in Napa making wine. Ended up in New Zealand in the winters. Kind of bounced back and forth and back and forth for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have been 02, 03, 04 in New Zealand. Okay. 01, 02, 03 in Napa. Mm. And then I showed up here in June of 04. How old were you
0: when you were going over to New Zealand? Because
1: you're not... That's a long... Yeah, geez, what was I, 22?
0: Yeah. 21, 22? So you nailed it down early that you wanted to do that?
1: Yeah, I was really lucky on that, right? It's kind of a rare thing in the U.S. Like you were, talk- yeah. we were talking about earlier about, you know, about Europe, and, and it's so funny, you get on, on a trajectory there when you're in, like, middle school. Yes. like, what do you want to do? Do you want to do Maths? Which I didn't know was a plural word. I know but it I is. Know. I love that. Herbs. I've always wanted maths. to say that. Maths.
0: <laughs> sport.
1: Sports. Yeah, sport and maths. But, you know, it's so, you're like, are you going to be an engineer? Are you going to be, uh, are you going to agricultural studies? Are you going, and I used to think that was kind of silly, not silly, but difficult for kids where it's like, yeah.
0: Or it's chose, chosen for them sometimes, too. Yeah, and that's hard.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I kind of like the freedom here of, yeah, I was about 30 when I decided to become this, or I, yeah. I tried this and I changed. Um, I was actually really, I guess not rare in the U.S., but it was kind of funny to find what I wanted to do and know what I wanted to do when I was about 18. Yeah. It served me well, but, but yeah, I, I
0: like both sides. Do you consider yourself, do you still identify as, like if somebody at a cocktail party said, what do you do for a living? I'm guessing you'd say winemaker. But, you, but do you kind of like? <laughs> I usually come up with a total lie. <laughs> do you really why I know,
1: because I think people talk about winemaking I think like I find other people's so many other people like if someone works at a bank they're like it's really boring I'm like for me that's fascinating mm-hmm. and I find it's really funny in winemaking it's such a rare kind of esoteric thing that when pe- once people find that out everybody wants to talk to you about what you do yeah and I'm so much more interested in every other job in the world I love mm. and so sometimes I'll say I, I don't know I Whatever. No.
0: I think that is funny. I think people peg winemakers a lot of the time too as a certain kind of person, a certain way of life, a certain, um, I don't know, just at least around here, I've noticed that people think that winemakers are often just like freewheeling, uh, attention to detail, super precise, super, um, you know, during harvest, of course, balls to the walls, but also that they have this, just cherry lifestyle. And I know that it's not always like that. It is a job.
1: Yeah. Oh, sure. Like any other job. It's, it's the romance wears off very early on. Mm. You know, the honeymoon stage is super short. Yeah. Then you have to really be attached to and grow with and change with your profession. Like anything, like with a spouse or like with anything in your life. You know, it's, it's a job. Yeah. It's a passion. I'm very lucky. I made my, my, what's the, what's the great Robert Frost poem? make your vocation your avocation is yeah that what it is? and yeah. that can happen yeah. for
0: some people and yeah. it totally sounds like it happened for you and it has for me
1: yeah absolutely I just I, I think that the talk about winemaking is wonderful and for me it's interesting it's what I do but I find that it can sometimes kind of hijack a conversation because mm. people want to talk about wine and people want to talk about all the nerdy parts of that where I think other people I don't know it, it sometimes I'd rather hear what other people do
0: you are the rare person I know who is in the wine industry. Who, I'm, I mean, I like wine, and I'll talk about. I, I love it. Sorry, it's what got yeah. me where I am. Um, but I'm often far more interested in you as a person than I am in like the O2 or you know the, the sulfur blah, blah, the grittiness of the tannins <laughs> totally. or the... What's the TA uh, of your bottling? Uh, no, 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 no. No TA. No, no, no,
1: no. <laughs> but but you know what I mean? Like, it, it is interesting. I, I actually, it, when, when I talk to friends so many times now, I'm the wine guy. Mm. And I come to a party and like, oh, you're their friend who makes wine or you're this or you... Mm-hmm. Oh, you know about wine. I mean, and it's... I don't know. I, I just hate getting pigeonholed and it's something in this industry specifically that follows us because it is an esoteric, yes, romanticized, yeah. you know, the just a a, a job that that brings that
0: if you weren't going to be a winemaker and you weren't going to be a tree guy what would you have been
1: evolutionary biologist
0: oh my god I've never heard anyone answer that so fast
1: (laughs) because I love it I would love to have been that um I would have also loved to have been a musician or be involved with musicians Mm and production or something where I could witness that kind of artistry because I don't have it yeah um but evolutionary biology is something I love
0: what's the difference between like biology biology and evolutionary biology
1: I just I love the focus on on evolution. Yeah. I love that thought process on how things change over time and based on their 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 surroundings and their environment and their interactions and time and mm. the age of this planet. I think it's all fascinating. Yeah. And it's all way over my head. Wine making is just fine. <laughs>
0: it's over everybody's head. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's over everybody's head. fermenting grapes and
1: and and you know dealing with powdery mildew sprays is enough for me.
0: Do you think? Wow. I you know I wouldn't push this if I didn't think that you could handle talking like this but um, <laughs> do you think that evolutionarily speaking it's getting better or is it getting worse um, how about let's talk about it's humanity just changing. Okay. it's just okay. changing it's
1: just changing I don't know if it gets better or it gets worse it just changes together
0: mm. that's not enough for me <laughs> <laughs> well, that was,
1: well, maybe you were, would not be a good one <laughs> I
0: would be the worst
1: no 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 uh, it's a really good question. I think that wow, well, well that's a tough one.
0: And I really I, I think, think things he...
1: just change. I don't think I don't think they can be quantified better or mm. worse. I think things just change. You know, based I... on their surrounding environments.
0: Only speaking about humanity, I I think it's getting better. I do. Do you? Mm-hmm. Well, that's. Are you a Midwesterner? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I think it's getting better. Because, are you okay talking about this? Is it okay that we're not talking about wine for a second? Come on. Yeah, let's, uh, what is uh, wine anyways? Come well, <laughs> if we had some, I guarantee we'd go deeper and deeper. Uh, I think that we're getting better because... If you look, I think that we're very myopic. I think we are only, you know, every moment we're so focused on what's going on right now. And I think sometimes with the news and with information coming flooding in from everywhere, we tend to like our our lizard brain takes over, and we believe, oh, I'm experiencing that right now. If I hear about a, um, if I hear about a murder or I hear about, um, you know, kidnapping or something like that, I, especially as an empathetic person. I jump in and I think that I'm the mom who just lost her child to a kidnapping. I'm the one who's lost somebody to a murder. It's really easy for me to jump into that situation and feel overwhelmed. But I think if you separate news from everything, I actually, well I know our crime rates are down. Mm -hmm. It continues to go down, even if it plateaus sometimes. It doesn't go up, it goes down. And I think, you know, look at, LGBT, all of that, the fact that people are more open now than ever before, um, I mean, racism, we can go into that for sure, and there's so much, so much more to be done, and stuff is really glacially slow improving there, Mm -hmm. but I do think it's improving. Um, From that standpoint, I would agree. So, on a big, you know, on a macro level, I think that people are improving. I think it's, as far as the earth goes, we might be we might be ruining it <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I mean
1: you have to laugh right to keep them crying but uh, yeah it's hard it's hard it's it's the strange times and uh, it was you know it's funny it, times have been so crazy with COVID and with understanding how to converse with people again and mm-hmm. I found myself at a cocktail party recently like you're talking about and talk to someone I was like what are we supposed to do now you're all atrophied <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like what do you like things I don't know do you enjoy playing cards I don't oh. know are you, you know and it's like these awful things but but during that whole time it was really nice uh it was a nice opportunity to escape and kind of focus on on the important things of life and, totally. and so so overall speaking I'm very positive about things moving forward yeah um, yeah albeit grapevines or humans or mm-hmm. the, Whatever it is that, that, that you know, I, I feel like it's a good time. Like we were just talking about the wine or the restaurant industry and slow, like yes. things are blooming, things are happening, yes. things are going forward. So They yeah, are It does sure. feel good.
0: I want to take a second to talk about a couple friends of the Consumed podcast, like MidState Containers. My contact at MidState is Jake Knott's, and I have his permission to share about something going on with him personally. Jake lived in Ukraine for many years, and he married a Ukrainian national, his wife Anya. They live on the Central Coast now with their three kids, but when Russia invaded Ukraine last February, Jake was right back there, helping his friends, acquaintances, strangers, and even their pets to escape. Since that time, he and Anya have worked with a team of very capable folks to start a nonprofit called Restore UA, which seeks to organize, fund, and execute relief efforts in Ukraine. Jake is still on the ground in Eastern Europe, coordinating with people here on the Central Coast to fill containers from Mid-State with humanitarian aid and ship them to Restore UA's headquarters in Poland. Every dollar donated to Restore UA goes straight to humanitarian relief efforts for Ukraine. They even have people sewing bulletproof vests for soldiers fighting Russian forces. It's incredible. The organization is starting to fill up more containers as I speak, and they could really use your financial support. To make a donation and learn more, visit RestoreUA.org. Thank you. Do you want to be more intentional about the meat you eat and feed your family? Have you even considered giving up eating meat entirely because you can no longer justify supporting the inhumane and industrialized system that brings meat to your dinner table? If you're looking for a simple way to guarantee you always have access to healthy, sustainably farmed meat and wild seafood, the Larder Meat Co. is here to help. Since 2016, Larder Meat Co. has been delivering farm-raised beef, pork, chicken, lamb, and wild seafood sourced from right here in the Golden State to customers who demand the highest quality proteins as well as intentional sourcing standards and transparency. A convenient club box from Larder Meat Co. makes it easy to automate the most important part of your monthly food budget. You can build a custom box or choose from one of the many curated bundles that LMC offers. As a Larder Meat Co. customer, you are supporting the ever-dwindling ranching industry that has fed us for generations, and you're building a sustainable future for your family, our ranchers, and the planet. Use code CONSUMED at checkout to save $25 on your first subscription and check healthy farm-raised meat and wild seafood off your grocery list for good. That's LarderMeatCo.com promo code CONSUMED for $25 off your first subscription. Consumed is sponsored by Slow Life Magazine, a lifestyle publication that celebrates life and culture in San Luis Obispo, California. I write the food column for Slow Life, and I'm actually going out tonight to cover the new restaurant, Cult, for the magazine. I'm going to meet up with photographer Jess Lerner and owners Nino and Cher Ang, and we're going to eat, chat, and snap, and I can't wait. To make sure you see the final product when it comes out, get yourself a subscription at SlowLifeMagazine.com. Tell me about your aha moment with um, you know you, so you're into you're into plants, you're into soil. Uh, I think you graduated with a soil science degree. Is that right? Like I did. That was yeah. The, okay. Yeah. So you're into those things, but then there's this other part. The thing that's special about wine is you were, well, first of all, able to consume it, but it's also just a very interesting thing that changes over time. It changes Mm -hmm. in the vineyard. It changes in the bottle. It changes through dormancy. You know, there's so much there. What got you interested in this consumable, fascinating uh, product?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, there were bottles, right? Everybody has a breakthrough bottle and you taste a wine and, and your mind is in the right place and your maturity is in the right place. And your romanticism's in check, whatever it might be, and you have a bottle and you think, yowza, that's what I need. This is what I want to do with the rest of my life. I had a lot of those along the way. Like mm-hmm. re, and major, mainly they were reaffirmations that I was doing the right thing or that I was moving in the right direction or, or, or chasing the right goal. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a great bottle of Burgundy you'd have. And you like, oh my God, someone made this. Yeah. You know, um, and I love the historical aspect of it. I love all of those parts of it. For me, there was a single, two bottles in New York that my brother bought me that, I couldn't afford at the time. One was from Napa, Stagland Family. One was from, uh, from, from Bordeaux. It was a, a Chateau Surtain de May. Mm-hmm. And those were the first ones that opened my eyes that wine could be, not that what we were making in Vermont wasn't world-class, but yeah. that wine could be even more soulful and, and more, uh, more vibrant, yeah. more evocative and, and of, of a place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I got really into that. And then I, into that thought of chasing to make a wine that was that soulful. Mm. And then, with my science and soil background, I started searching for places,
0: mm.
1: right? Yep. I started, started searching for places that, on paper, all of the parts were there, whether they'd be in Napa, whether they'd be in New Zealand, whether they'd be in Santa Barbara County. yeah. And in Santa Barbara County, whether they'd be on, on Santa Rita Hills by the ocean, or whether they're in you know Ballard Canyon or Happy mm. Canyon, mm-hmm. wherever it might be, a place that, on paper, would be soulful and, and proper to, to produce wines that, that, that I was chasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and over time, it's really funny, it's evolved into people. Yeah. And it's evolved into everything else that goes into to cultivating a great wine. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it, there were all sorts of reaffirmations along the way. And I say this a lot, but now when I open a bottle that I've been, had the pleasure of working on, right? Yeah. It's very much, and this is so weird, and I don't know if other people feel the same way, but when I pop a cork on a bottle now, it's not like, Oh, yeah, I remember the rain that happened in August, and then we had to deal with the mildew, and then we had to deal with Botrytis, and then we had to deal with this, and then... Like all the trauma. All... Yeah, yeah. well, and it's still there. I mean, memories. Occasionally, and, yeah. you'll taste a teardrop, or... You know, <laughs> but but I really remember the people we worked with, and I remember yeah. the times. It's like a time capsule of, of a, literally like a of a finite period of time from... from July when we start getting together to, to November when we go home for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. you know. And that's what I really love about the industry now. Yeah. And it's changed very much. Maybe yeah. I'm getting old and, and romantic in my old age. Who knows? But, uh, but old I old like teachers. that about it. I like the relationships. I like the team building. I like that my job oftentimes is just avoiding a mutiny on a daily basis. Oh but I guess gosh. that's all anyone yes. does. Yes. Right?
0: Well, there's a lot of management involved. <laughs> totally. A ton of management.
1: Well, I mean, and even with the, the all-star team I work with, you know, that's that's really you get into a lot of, of just trying to keep a really wonderful, talented team together. It's yeah.
0: hard. Yeah, you know? yeah, keeping, well, and keeping good help right now, good people around can be tough. Can be for tough. For sure, yeah. Tell me about somebody on your crew who is maybe um, not somebody who gets the spotlight very often, who deserves it.
1: Oh, it's all of them. It's really hard. Mm. Um, we have, uh, I guess, the, the longest tenured member of our team is our associate winemaker drew pickering who's mm. just a real uh, remarkably talented individual with a phenomenal palette and a phenomenal ability to organize things which i don't have
0: mm. you're not an organizational guy
1: i mean i can be and i have to be but but you know a lot of times i'm like oh we should do this and this and this and we should try this and we should build a vision guy yeah we should build a house for drying grapes and we should do all the you know and and drew will say those are great ideas. (laughs) You know, you need to try this and do this and you need to to come at it from a more regimented side. So we work very, very well. It's not good cop, bad cop exactly, but it's, it's a, it's a really cool relationship. It's definitely yin and yang. And he's just quite remarkable and he's brilliant. And he's, we've worked together now for 13 years. Wow. Um, Other people on our team have been there even longer. You know, we have a seller master, Umberto, who's just first time we walked into our cellar I was like this gentleman understands the winemaking process better than almost anybody just inherently Mm -hmm. and I'll come up with this grand plan of how we should run the lines and how we should do the hoses and how we should do the valves and everything it'll take me an hour to run through it all then Beethoven will walk by and I'll say why did you do that when you could just put that valve there (laughs) you know and it's he's just a wonderful individual wonderful human being and uh I'm very blessed to work with a like a Legitimate Hall of Fame crew.
0: Yeah. They make me,
1: they make, they make, I mean, it's, it's amazing the attention to detail and the focus and then the lack of recognition is the other shocking thing.
0: That's kind of why I asked. Yeah, it's just crazy. And,
1: and it's, it's the way the industry grows right now, but they all deserve all the spotlight all the time for sure.
0: So tell me a little bit about these. Am I right in saying there are three labels that you. Yeah. Okay, so we have Honada, which is a top tier. Um, And then the Hilt, which is Santa Rita Hills. Mm -hmm. And um, the pairing, which is that sort of like a a field sort of thing, or it's pulled from lots of places? Yeah, yeah. Whatever's showing really well?
1: Totally. You know, it's actually... We like making things very confusing. Great. <laughs> as we, I mean, we're a winery. Well, I feel like that's, I'm what, doing well that's what then, wineries yeah. do. We make things really confusing, but it's actually simple in the sense that Honada oh. is a place. It's an estate. It's an estate wine. Uh-huh. Anything with Honada on it comes from that one sandy, basically sand dune in Ballard Canyon. Yeah. Everything from the hilt is 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 now estate, okay. as well. So. It is a parcel, it is the southwest corner of the AVA of the Santa Rita Hills. Okay. It's a 4,000-acre parcel. It's massive. Mm. 200 acres planted, Pinot, Chard, Syrah, a little bit of Riesling. Mm. And so those two are estates. The pairing is actually just like, it's a second label. It's a, it's a Tuesday afternoon wine. It's a wine that we try to make. We grow a lot of that fruit, to be fair. A yeah. lot of that is estate. But then we also, we cull that out. Um, it doesn't either, you know, it doesn't match our, our intensity to be in those top two. Mm-hmm. Or it's just made to be not crushable because crushable to me no. insinuates a lack of substance. Yeah. But it, it's it's constructed to be blended to be produced to be consumed without a five-year cellaring.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: You don't have to double decant it. You can yeah. pour it, you can drink it, you can, you know, get it down on Tuesday with tacos. Yeah.
0: And we've done that actually. We um we had I mean, I love the simplicity of it. it was the pairing the red one? The, re- uh, the red one. Ooh, that's a nice name. We should have called it the red. Well, one. Well, because that's what you offer, right? Yes, a red yes, and a white. Yes, yeah. And uh, we really enjoyed it. I mean, it's it, you definitely want to, would not want to say crushable. I don't think. Um, no, it, yeah
1: it's lovely though. People would be people who want a crushable wine would be disappointed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and people who yeah, and who wasted. want a more <laughs> yes, anyway. yeah, exactly. Oh That'd my be a gosh. Poor decision. Uh,
0: well, you came from. Gosh, I can't think of three more diverse places in the U.S. Maybe Alaska would be more diverse, but Vermont, Kansas City, and California, just generally speaking. What has it been like to go from a pretty small, it sounds like a pretty small community in Vermont, mm-hmm. to somewhere like Napa, and you, and you, as far as I understand, you were pretty gutsy about who you approached when you wanted yeah, to start. you bet. That's pretty, um, pretty gangster up there. How, how was that? A little bit of whiplash going from small to big like that?
1: No, it's funny though because you say that, and I get it. I, I, I always think of Napa being a really small town.
0: You know, I've heard that before. Yeah, and but, think but of I it. know
1: what you mean because because of the aspect of the tourism. And the, the general sexiness yes, of yeah. Napa. Yes, yeah. I mean, it is, it is a sexy place. Yeah. Um, it's easy to forget. The bigness of it, Yeah, too. the bigness, the, the, yeah, those, you know, I, I totally get it. Um, but for me, especially when I was there in 2001 to 2004, it was minuscule, mm. and it was very industry-driven, so much so that I had to leave, because I'm a bit of a hermit, and I, I don't necessarily ah. like surrounding myself with, with wine talk all the time, mm-hmm. and Napa was there. Um, but yeah. it was a really small town, and it was, I mean, it, it's, it's quite a remarkable place, A, because the wines are just shockingly good right yeah. now, yeah. shockingly good, um, and because it's close to Marin, it's close to yeah. everything. It's a little bit like Santa Barbara, right? Yeah. Except instead of San Francisco, we have L.A.
0: Yes, yes, right? which is a wonderful place. According to me, I love <laughs> L.A. I love actually. L.A. too. I just oh. fell in love with L.A. Like, like in the last five years. I love L.A. I love it too. Why do you love it?
1: i love la because there's so much more there than meets the eye like i used to go down and see my brother who lives in one very specific part of la and that's all you see Mm. right and that's your thing and you 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 live in this one little piece but when you step back and you see all the pieces together and you decide to get lost in one like downtown la yes i had never spent time. i mean wandering around downtown la not exactly but going to see a show or or whatever yeah. yeah yeah but but like there's a whole street in downtown la where they just make pinatas and I was so pleased, That's and I had amazing. no idea. And I got lost. I was like, "What the hell is this?" And you know, and then there's like going to Dodgers games and yeah. being around that part of the world, which I love that part of LA. Mm-hmm.
0: The They're- stairs, I love the stairs of LA. When you get into like uh, my my brother and sister in law live in um, Mount Washington, yeah, and so walking that, or in um, not Los Feliz, but like Silver Lake and yeah, of Echo Park, just you can walk stairs and up and down and around mountains and there's something so appealing and wonderful about that being on easements basically, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know, the whole way. Um, I love that.
1: Yeah, I do too. And I, it's funny, like San Francisco, I, I, I grew to like, Hmm. I grew to like it over a very long period of time. Hmm. Um, but I love LA so much
0: more. Same. No offense. Same no, same. And, and I don't mean the same. I actually love them equally for different yeah, reasons. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. But I just,
1: I... LA is cool. And, and there's, no, there's no, like, you can't generalize or stereotype what an Angeleno is like. like no. And, I mean, it's really cool. The only thing that binds them all together is that they've chosen to live in that wacky wild place. Yeah. And there is a tie that binds quietly all people living in LA together, which is that they've chosen to live in a pretty wild, unique spot on this earth yeah it's pretty neat and and the restaurants Any, anyways yeah i would go on for hours about that but i i love la and i i'm excited about la because it's our city as a region mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. should be i mean there's temecula which is great yeah. and there's via guadalupe which is great yeah as regions but I, I i always as a santa barbara producer and someone who's got a you know a horse in the game in santa barbara a horse in the race i LA has to be the town. It has to mm. be the city. The cuisine, everything about it matches what we do. We're mm. within driving distance. I mean, it's a it's a two hour drive. Right. We can know our cu- customers. The customers can know the producers.
0: Well, they all come up here. I mean, they all come to Santa Barbara. There's a yeah. There's a really beautiful kind of
1: uh, a travel uh, uh, circle or si- yes. circle that people do right yes. and. and- but that's why I love it, and that's why I'm digging in, and that's why I like want to understand it more and more. Is that that's where our wines need to go? Mm-hmm. I don't. Want, I mean, I love shipping wine wherever it needs to go in the world, but why not just? Yeah. Not many people footprint? talk
0: like that, actually. No,
1: in, in Santa Barbara, we're talking a lot more about it now. Okay. Yeah, it's. We're such a diversified region, you know, that it's mm. it's hard to get a lot of people talking together because we're Pinot producers and Chardonnay producers yeah. and Cab producers and Syrah producers and. We're getting yeah, together. So much grows there. So example. much grows. There. I yeah, know, yeah. I know. That's
0: and you challenge. mess with a bunch of different things, so don't you? Play. I like, you by experiment? the way, I like how
1: you said we mess because we do mess with a <laughs> lot of things. We, <laughs> that's a really good way of putting it. No, we we grow. Good Lord, uh, we were just going over this. It's not like it's beyond like fifth grade math, but we were still struggling with it. It was, I think we're eighteen varieties come into our facility.
0: Yeah. But they're not
1: like you know. It's like we'll have a 30-gallon bucket of Assyrtiko right now. I know, but But, I... But still, check it off the list. Like, it's on there.
0: I picture it like all of our many subscriptions to... Whether it's Hulu or Audible or whatever. (laughs) And you get your bill and you're like... Oh, I have 17 of these. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminds me of that where you're like, you just add a little, you have one, one barrel of Zena Mavro and uh, then you have this barrel of whatever. And yeah, it just kind of adds up. At a, it at it adds up, but,
1: but it actually, you know, it, it pushes us in different directions and allows us to, to be a little bit more experimental, right? Yeah. And yeah, we do, we do mess around with a lot of those though. So. And we have a couple more coming online this year. What are they? Uh, this year we have a small amount. Well, we get our first Assyria to go this way or, or this year. Our first Xenomabro uh, this year. We'll get our first taste no, of.
0: I was just joking. Oh, Did you really mean it?
1: Don't joke about Xenomabro. <laughs> I
0: was totally picking the weirdest <laughs> we thing I could think we of, and you're doing it. And we're
1: going to get our first um, clusters of Limnio and Limniona, which. What's that? Nobody even knows. Where's it from? Uh, from Greece. Okay. Okay. And they're 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 quite lovely. We've had some really great examples from Greece, hmm. but. You know, our whole thing now is pushing for more acid-driven grapes. Yeah. Because it's hot and no, it's I dry.
0: Know. Those are also just the kinds of wines I like. I like acidic wines.
1: Yeah. Oh, we're, we're, we're in the same boat. We're kindred spirits. Yeah. But yeah, we got
0: them all. We got them all coming in. So it's... Is anything showing really well? Like you might actually adopt it into your program on a regular basis? Riesling. Riesling all day.
1: Riesling. Oh, Riesling. We're going to put a little Chenin Blanc in this year just to... Rule it out. Yeah. That it doesn't work. Maybe it will. I
0: think Shannon does. Work I think it over does. There, it?
1: I do too. I just, I, I've had some. Cr- I just had a crazy Shannon Blanc from uh, from Tyler Thomas over at Star Lane. Yes. It was gorgeous. Yes, I bet it, it was. was. Gorgeous. So yes, I, to rule it out is the wrong way of putting it, but but to to, to do our due diligence. Yeah. I, I'm a Riesling head, so, I mean, we made 30 gallons this year.
0: Yeah. Um, wow. We're gonna
1: make a full barrel. So like, look out, world. Like full 25 cases one day
0: where will that fall well that which label will that fall? it'll be under the hilt okay okay
1: but really our focus obviously at the hilt is chardonnay and pinot yeah and syrah is going to be you know bigger there but we might try to keep that at four grapes just yeah. for sanity yeah. and focus and keep experimenting at honada because that's the spirit there Mm-hmm. always has been
0: what uh i love Santa Rita Hills Chardonnay and I'm oh. not a big Chardonnay I'm really not I, I mean I just even when it's you know unoaked, all that I still always feel like I oh, don't know this is Chardonnay like I can tell um hmm. sorry I'm probably offended look at your eyes closed <laughs> like don't talk to me um, no no no
1: I just it's I hear I hear it a lot I hear it a lot well because it's a very it's a very it, I and I've understand. tasted a butt Butler. ton yep. of yep. chardonnays okay so yep. I'm not just blown no away. no no this is this is something I hear all the time from but Santa Rita big, chardonnays big, big are mindrevers. very yep.
0: very special they are very special um and I don't know if I've, like the ones that I'm thinking of, I think they were, you know, Star Lane, Deerberg type.
1: Oh, yeah, they've got that great drum canyon vineyard. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And are yeah. they
0: on the, I'm thinking, what's the name of the highway out there? 246. Is it on the west or the east side of 246? I think it's on the east side, isn't it? Yeah, they're that?
1: on the east side of 246. Santa Rita's big. I mean, it's like yes. a, it's a, it's a. It's funny. I say this all the time, but like when they did that AVA, they got it right Mm. because you have to start big and then you can start to zoom in. Yeah. But they got the big part right. Yeah. And I'm blown away. Every time I look at that map, I'm like, y'all did this? Yeah. You got it right. That's unbelievable. Um, But now we're starting to look at like, yeah, the quadrants and there's this piece and there's a southwest corner and there's this. You can get
0: nerdy about it, I'm sure. Oh, and we do. Like, we can nerd out with the (laughs) best stuff. Oh, we do. Oh, damn. But...
1: Chardonnay is, yeah, it's, it's the greatest It's the greatest grape, I think, that comes into our winery. What? I know. I never would have said that in a million years. Trust me. I couldn't stand Chardonnay. Huh. That's why I was giving you the stink eye. Because I, 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 <laughs> I was the same way. I, 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 and some days I still am. Because there's mm. a lot of mm, okay Chardonnay in the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when it's good, and Santa Rita Hills is good.
0: It is good.
1: It's, I think it's the most exciting grape. And it's funny. If I had moved to Minnesota, for example. Or, um, uh, but, but, but what's the wonderful place in Michigan, uh, right on the lake where they grow grapes?
0: Oh, I don't know.
1: Oh, Traverse City.
0: Okay, okay. Around
1: Traverse City. Like, if I had grown there, grown, or, or, or moved there and grown grapes and made my life and had my family there and mm-hmm. ate seasonally and did all those mm-hmm. things and, you know, preserved foods and, you know, all the things you have to do in a place where it gets cold <laughs> as hell yeah. for at least half the year. I don't know that I would have had the Chardonnay Renaissance I think it's where I ended up. I think it's ending up in Southern California that mm-hmm. I fell in love with Chardonnay again. Mm-hmm. Because everything here is so fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Everything in the world is light. It's fragrant. It's mm. floral. It's the cuisine here. Even if you want to eat like a Midwesterner like myself wants to eat. Yeah. Casserole. Still, yeah. But it's, you. I mean, even a casserole in Santa Barbara would be like, I don't know, like halibut i don't know you do something that would just make it totally different yes and fresher and more fragrant and lifted and and Mm. not necessarily elegant but just 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 everything's just a little bit lighter cuisine wise here yeah just because of what lives in the ocean and what lives on the on the land and what grows everywhere yeah
0: i think we all encourage one another to you know there's like a lab palette around here where we it it's part of the culture too that kind of uh that kind of cuisine i think
1: I mean, any county where you're defined by citrus and avocados.
0: Not a bad place. Not a
1: bad place, and it's a good place for Chardonnay.
0: Yeah. Once more, I want to give love to a couple other podcast friends. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining local, organic, and non-GMO standards. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. With a mission to empower health and well-being in the community, they offer local produce, meats, low-to-no-waste foods, and wellness items. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop And visit Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. Native Nine Wine is part of Ranchos de Onaveros, a Santa Maria winery that sponsors the Consumed Podcast. Owner James Onaveros was on the podcast way back in its first season, but if you haven't listened to it, I think this recent blurb from Food and Wine magazine will give you some context on who James is. This is written by Jonathan Cristaldi. James Ray Onaveros is a name to put on your short list of must-watch vintners. A ninth generation farmer who works lands established by his family in the early 1780s, Onaveros decided to play. Plant vines on the property in 1997, after which he studied at Cal Poly, worked in Sonoma, and soaked up the secrets of the Pinot trade during visits to legendary Burgundy estates like Domaine du Jacques and Domaine de la Romanee Conti. Today, winemaker Justin Woollett works with James to produce native nine wines, and they are destined to become commodities to stockpile. Out of this world aromatics of savory wild herbs, leather and tobacco leaf are complemented by red currants and juicy cherries, all lingering through a long mineral finish. Well, I, Jamie, can confirm that the wines really are that good. Let the stockpiling begin at ranchesdeonoveroswines.com. Well, that's interesting. Yes, I I always forget about the symbiotic relationship between the different things that grow well. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned avocados. I was parking. I was trying to not pay for parking up the street here. And uh, successful. Good, well done. Uh, Thank you. And there was a sign outside. It was maybe like a a wellness clinic. And there's this sign on a tree. And it says, due to liability concerns, please do not climb the tree or pick avocados. And I look up, (laughs) and there are avocados. Dripping from this tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So incredible <laughs> that I wanted to take a picture of it yep, and be like, yep. you know, humble brag, I live
1: here. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I, f- I feel that way. I feel that way when I walk out in the street in Santa Barbara. Yeah. I mean, come from Kansas City, are you kidding? There's yeah. like, you know, every time my mom comes out, she's like, jade plants. You know, jade it's like plants. jade trees, you know. Yeah. I yeah. still, I still am like a kid in a candy store with what grows here. Mm. Such a nerd. So is my wife. We just.
0: Yeah, tell me a little bit about, about your wife. How did you guys meet?
1: Uh, through college. So mm-hmm. she was also a dork uh, in the plant soil science department. <laughs> you like married I was, a dork! Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. She's a, she's a far better plant mind than I am. In what way? She just has everything from a green thumb to being able to name every Latin name, mm-hmm. understand mm-hmm. all the plants. She attacked western plant and like the, the flora and fauna of, of the west coast because mm-hmm. she's such an east coaster. Yeah, and now she's like made it her life to understand what grows here and how the hell it grows here. Yeah, Um, and she's more of an artist. She's more. um, She does interior design. She's just supremely Hmm. cool. She's so much cooler than I am.
0: Is that her? um, Her living is yeah. She just started her own business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Awesome.
1: That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Oh my gosh, I bet taking a walk through the neighborhood with you two would be hilarious because you'd her, be like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: She's such a nerd. <laughs> we were walking through the botanical garden yesterday in Santa Barbara, and someone walked. Of course you were. And they were, yeah, exactly, right. It's just so typical. And the, and we were walking by, and someone's like, "What is this plant?" And they were all talking. All these grumpy old people like, we "No, it's this, it's this." And we walked by, and Tara goes. It's like California buckthorn dorks, <laughs> like or whatever. Well, I don't know lemonade berry or something. You know, she's just Aww. she's a, a super super brilliant uh, passionate person. So. The
0: native plants here are fascinating and wonderful. I mean, I'm not a big plant nerd, but sure I not. love sure it. Sure, you're not. Well, no. If you were to see our front yard, um, yeah, we care about it a lot. My husband and I just love. I also love pilfering plants, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, giant agaves that pop out like crazy and neighbors who are generous enough to let us cut and, yeah. and you know, totally. propagate. I love all of that. No, me too. You have, um, a, a, I think you have an interest in, um, what is it called? What's the kind of, a, like, regenerative farming and yeah, regenerative. I,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I think we all need to start looking at those type of, of options for farming. Mm-hmm. Nobody talks about conventional farming anymore.
0: No, I guess not.
1: I mean that's the funny th- I mean not funny it's a wonderful thing. You're talking about people people moving in the right direction. I think I think conventional farming down here you could do it. You
0: could You're talking about like really monoculture dispute. and all that, yeah. Yeah,
1: well no, everything everything that might include um, um, a reliance on inorganic uh, uh, treatments whatever it might be. You know, at a certain point people down down in this part of the world since we're only talking about central coast today. Yeah. Disease pressure is very um, minimal in some senses. Yeah. There aren't a lot of insect pests, knock on wood. Mildew is really our problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can make organic sprays difficult in some places. That's kind of the dance we have to do. Mm. Is it better to spray a lot of passes with an organic spray? Or do less passes with an organic spray, I guess? That's mm. kind of the problem. So hard. It's Yeah, nothing's easy, but but... People down here are approaching it in a smart way, whether it be um, adopting certain biodynamic principles, adhering to to, uh, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. But regenerative agriculture, (laughs) when it works, is really cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's a great way to approach the world. And I think that people, I hope that people have a long-term view of property. Mm -hmm. I think that's really the key to farming. It's not a short-term game. Mm-hmm. Or a short-term loss, fear. It's like more my a,
0: lifetime, or whatever. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. I think as long as people, whatever, whatever we put it under, whether whatever whatever name we give it, if you have a long-term view of the health of a property, mm. you got it right. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And that's hard because this is a volatile place. It's getting dry. Yeah. Drought is going to be a big problem. Salinity in the water is going to be a water, big problem. Water salinity. That yes, are exactly. Not talking about. Yeah. Um, and so I think. Whether people are, are, are really digging into regenerative, or whether people want to want to identify themselves as biodynamic, or whether people want to do all these things in, in, in hand in hand, I think it's all good things. And I support them wholeheartedly. And I'll buy their product if they're making high quality stuff, of yeah, course. Yeah. But I think it's just people who want to sit down and say, all right, 100 years out, Yep, what's happening here? And how can we reach that point? How can we be good? Who was it who said that? How can we be good ancestors? Oh, you know, and that's, well, that's, that's a, a really a, neat thing. It's and, an and,
0: anti-racist thing, actually. Yeah, that be be a good ancestor. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. how
1: can you be a good good uh, steward of a property now, long term? And I think it incorporates all of them. Yeah, and moving away from an organic, moving towards organic, moving towards biodynamic, moving towards regenerative, ultimately, moving towards you know closed systems, moving towards yes. dealing with compost, dealing with appropriate use of carbon emissions, appropriate uh, responsible use of even like. The gases from fermentation, like there's all sorts of things you can start to think of that are damaging the environment that people kind of politely look the other way from, yeah. which is a weird thing.
0: I mean, myself included. I, we, right, well, yeah, we, we all. We ignore only have too. so much bandwidth. Yes, I think that's right. something that's important to realize. But small decisions, um, yeah. The closed system. I totally appreciate that. And you, as a soil scientist, I'm sure. You, I mean you probably consider yourself a soil farmer above above everything else yeah, right because dirt,
1: dirt farming yeah, yeah 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 I I think so I think I think that's really what matters ultimately is the health of your soil Yeah you know
0: so leave it better than you got it right where you
1: can which is hard but mm. yes where you can do it and and I think people forget how long it takes to build soil like soil genesis isn't like a generational thing mm. it's like an epic like it's an <laughs> epic <thing. laughs> you know it's a yeah. long thing and I don't know. I'm very pleased with a lot of the changes that I see happening, and they're happening at a really rapid clip. It's like someone's pushed fast forward on, like, an old VHS. All of a sudden, you could, like, see people, like, moving quickly because Good. people are realizing that change has to happen, like, yeah. two weeks ago. Yes. And and we're moving towards lighter weight tractors. We're moving towards, light, you know, I was just talking to someone, uh, the guys at Dearburg, again, we're just talking about UV control of, of mildew, oh, right? And, yeah. like, amazing things where tractors aren't even in the equation at that
0: point and mm. and wow that would be incredible not even to have to use a tractor for that yeah just just a no yeah. spray there's t- a zap but but cool
1: minds like that who are who are always pushing the envelope and mm-hmm. even even the team I work with is is always pushing the envelope of how we can integrate animals in a responsible way yeah but then you also have emissions methane emissions and then you're yes. dealing with you know there is no perfect science for maintaining soil health. Because you give and you take, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. like you're going, circling back, regenerative. If you can give more than you take,
0: mm.
1: right on, that's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, good on
0: you. Tell me how you do it, because yeah, I want to know. Toward that, yeah, for sure. Well, you've been so generous with your time. Thank you, thank you so much for driving. Yeah, I mean, you will have driven more than we've sat and chatted, and I <laughs> really appreciate it. Oh yeah, no, no, no.
1: It's a pleasure, honestly. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Of course, and it's always good to talk wine, but it's, it's cool to talk other things with, with kindred spirits. So totally.
0: Well, I'm not done with you yet. So if you were on your last day of life and you're like, not sick, just celebrating, um, I always have to say that you're not ill. Are you reading my cards? (laughs) I see your palm. Um, and you wanted to celebrate Uh what would you eat? What would you drink? And who would be there?
1: Who would be there? That's a tough one. Um, what would I eat on the last day of my life? I would eat a beef and a half sandwich with fries from Gates Barbecue.
0: What's a beef and a half sandwich?
1: From it's just it's just barbecued brisket from Kansas City. Oh, of course. It, yeah. yeah. Right. I would drink. Jesus. Um, God. What? You'd probably have to drink like a vertical of something because then it would just cover all your Caboom. bases, right? Yeah. Yeah. How about uh, a? <laughs> oh my God. Just for today, just for the purposes of today, mm-hmm. like a Shave Hermitage Vertical.
0: Oh. If oh. he would
1: generously just give me a bottle of every Hermitage you'd ever made. It's with your a day. Gate, with a yeah. Gates beef and a half.
0: Oh. Oof. Jesus.
1: Then um, you could go out. I <laughs> would go out in style. Is there like a musical accompaniment or Let's no? do that. Yes. Living or dead or have to be living?
0: Anything you want.
1: <laughs> if I could get fully live living version of the band
0: oh wouldn't that be nice
1: yes and if I could have people to join me oh that's way too hard is it it's hard right I'd have every I mean everybody I love that's a tough one
0: hmm everybody there's no no, like
1: cool superstar I would have with me it'd be like my family and and yeah yeah. Boy, well thanks for that, Downer. Now I gotta go home and No. <laughs> no. no, it should be inspiring. Now you can maybe work toward now having I live that. my so I'm gonna go buy a, a vertical of Shah Vermitage. Yes. Yeah, and I'm gonna get gates delivered just in every day, just in case it's my last. It live is each day it is, like yes, it's that's your last. Smart. Like literally, huh? <laughs> well, I hope you have fun with that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a pleasure to talk Thank to you. you. Thank you.
0: That's another episode in the Books for the Consumed podcast, which is produced and edited by me, Jamie Lewis. Special thanks to Stefan and Elisa Geraldo of Geraldo Creative Studio for their beautiful video and photography work that's kind of sprucing up my Instagram feed at Jamie C. Lewis, as well as on the website, let'sgetconsumed.com. And thank you, listeners, as always, for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Jamie Lewis.